This is an AMI podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Accessing Art with Amy. I'm your host, Amy Manti. My pronouns are she, her. July is Disability Pride Month, and it's an important time to recognize and to celebrate the disability experience. Goldbard is a singer, songwriter, and musician who is on their own personal journey to understand, I suppose, uh, what disability means to them and how it intersects with the art that they create. So I just want to wish you all and Goldbard a happy Disability Pride Month. So welcome, Goldbard. Hi, my name is Goldbard, and my pronouns are she, they. I am a white settler creating music, writing, and art from my lived experience inside a fat, queer, neurodivergent, post-traumatically stressed body. Happy Disability Pride Month, Goldbard. <laughs> Happy Disability Pride Month to you, too. I know. I love July. It feels, um, I don't know, it feels celebratory. It is time for picnics and fun. Yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, let's just jump right on in. You're a musician and a creator. Tell us a little bit about your background as a musician. I wrote my first song when I was four years old. So it was interesting. Recently, I was at an arts conference and um, there was somebody leading an art exercise that the whole group of people was going to do but this was a room full of arts administrators not necessarily artists and and she said to the group don't worry I know that art isn't your first language for most of you and uh-huh. I sat there and I thought huh art is my first language yeah <laughs> art is my first language too I get you so you wrote and- your first song when you were four Yeah. And throughout my life, songwriting has been my way to process whatever I'm trying to figure out and to express myself emotionally. I know there is so much freedom for me in music to to say things that I would not feel comfortable just speaking. Mm. I think there's probably a lot of musicians that that feel that way. So in your practice as a, a musician and a creator, what instruments are you playing when you're songwriting? Usually guitar, although I have this little kalimba right now that I have been playing with, and I just wrote a song using the kalimba, which was kind of a fun little exercise. What is a kalimba? A kalimba is a little, other people can call it like a thumb piano. Oh, it's like this little box that you can hold in your hand and it has metal tines on it and each one has a that you strike it plays a different note. That sounds interesting. Where did, I, I've never heard of this instrument before. So where did you find this? <laughs> on the Amazons where you can find <laughs> it. <laughs> it. Okay. Was, it was a impulse purchase that I'm quite happy that I made because I have really been enjoying having this little instrument to take with me wherever I go. And when whenever inspiration strikes, you just sort of strum away at it? Yeah. And I just play around with different melodies. And that's the fun thing about playing an instrument like that. Whereas normally I would come up with melodies through singing this uh, 
helps me play around with things in a little bit different way. I think because I've been writing songs for so long with guitars, my songwriting instrument, it's nice to kind of change it up every once in a while. Yeah, I hear that. Um, I guess it keeps a person sharp. Huh, that's uh, just like, like no pun intended. All the musical puns are just beginning. <laughs> but it keeps our skill sets going and alive and keeps us creative and trying new things. Yeah, well, it, it breaks you outside of your ruts. It's just like uh, how sometimes if you're writing and you're feeling stuck with your writing, it's good to go maybe pick up some writing prompts and write from them instead. You're going to share a song with us that you brought. And um, the reason we're going to play the song first and then unpack it is because I think there's a lot to explore on what you've written here um, in terms of the song, but also like your process in songwriting and how that relates to your experience of disability. So perhaps um, can you introduce this song? Yeah, this song uh, is called When Love Wins. And I wrote this song recently. There was a protest of a local drag queen story time and these protests are becoming sadly more commonplace not just here mm -hmm. but all over the world yeah here in vancouver it's been a big thing but you're right all over the world yeah and this huge group of counter protesters showed up with pride flags and there was this beautiful upswelling of support from the community to protect this drag queen story time and and I thought, that's what it looks like when love wins. Mm. Okay. I love this. Um, so we're going to play When Love Wins and come back and have a chat about it. When love wins, there's peace again. And room not for all to show up in their glory. When love wins, children laugh. songs of joy and hope for the future when love wins the best of all humanity shows us how we want to be simple and free when get to be when love wins we are limitless unbound from heavy chains that try to drag us down when love wins the best of all humanity shows us how Some days the hate screams so loud It 
it's hard to find solid ground That's when it's hard to remember When love wins We don't have to choose Between acceptance and belonging We just get to be When love wins, we are limitless Unbound from heavy chains that try to drag us down When love wins, the best of all humanity Shows us how we want to So this is a, a really, really beautiful song. Um, what's your process like when you write music? Is it something that just sort of spills out of you or something that comes to you gradually? I, I'm so curious about the process. Oftentimes, the song starts to sh just show up. And mm -hmm. I feel like I am just chasing to get it down before it disappears. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and so I've learned to grab the nearest recording device and the easiest to use recording device. So lately, my iPad has been great for that. Um, oh, yeah. Just to be able to, when the, when the idea comes, just go ahead and get it down quickly. And I often find that like, I sort of start writing the song and I usually have like about a verse and a chorus maybe, and then... I start singing it and the rest of the song just starts pouring out. And that's why it's so important for me to make sure that I capture that first take the first time I uh, sing through the song. Because often that's, there's a little bit of magic in that very first time. And then how does like disability play into all of this in terms of your writing process or where you perform the music? You know, um, <laughs> for most of my life, I did not understand that I had a disability and mm. I would take any gig that was offered to me. And oftentimes the circumstances of these gigs were less than ideal, uh, right. especially for somebody who is neurodivergent and living with PTSD. So I would be mm -hmm. playing in bars where people were loud and drunk and, I would get so thrown off by all of the craziness around me. <laughs> and right. it would be a very stressful experience. And it's only in the last few months that I have finally started to realize that I have a right to ask for better working conditions as a musician and an artist. Right. Yeah. I remember um, I remember seeing you perform at something called the Freewheeling Festival that was put on by Real Wheels Theatre here in yep. Vancouver. And you got up on stage and you said something like, 
you know, I'm just going to get a moment to get my stuff together and get comfortable. And then it was this moment of, isn't it nice to be in a space where you can just like do what you need to do in order for the, the art to be present? And you made no apologies about needing a little extra time to sit and get comfortable and find, you know, the proper hold of your guitar, all of those things that I just thought, oh, yes, like, like this is this is a part of the experience, right? That we honor what we call in disability world crip time. Mm. Right? This and idea that of- was the very first time that I felt oh. I, I was able to do that. Oh. And what a beautiful thing it was to to take the time to set up all my gear and make yeah. sure that I'm actually physically comfortable. Um so often in in gigs you show up and you're lucky if you get a sound check at all. Oftentimes yeah. you don't. And and then you're just supposed to hit the ground running and there's this, you know, showbiz mantra that the show must go on no matter what. <laughs> and I think that is something I am st- just starting to unpack as what an ableist thing that is and what an awful expectation that is that when you are trying to perform and especially if you are performing original material that you wrote which most of the other a lot of the time I do right um you know you're putting a little bit of your heart out there and that's a very vulnerable thing and to be expected to do that in an environment that is does not feel um where you don't feel supported is something I'm just not settling for anymore. So what's that journey been like for you? Because it sounds like it's relatively recent in that you're discovering what it means to live with disability, what it means to empower yourself, to not just advocate, but in some ways like demand, right? Like, you know, this is what I expect. This is what I deserve. And I won't perform or create for any less. What's that journey be, been like for you as a performer and creator and singer and songwriter? One of the beautiful gifts about starting to accept fully my status as a person with a disability is it's giving me that radical permission to be careful how I monitor my amount of fucks. Uh-huh. How yeah. many I have to give on any given day. Mm-hmm. And recognizing that because they are limited, I need to make rules for myself. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, one rule that I just made is that I will only do two gigs per month right now because that feels like a manageable amount and the beautiful gift of that is that it takes away that little part of my brain who is constantly looking at every single gig in town and thinking that I should be performing at all of them all of the time. Right. And it says to that brain, nope, we've already got two gigs booked for that month, so we're not doing any more. Right. Right. Giving yourself that permission to just um, to be enough. Two yeah. gigs is enough. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I ask this about many artists, especially artists that are writing from lived experience. So some of your songs are, are well, all of your songs are deeply personal to you. Wow. Um, 
how do you how do you perform the songs um, without causing yourself harm in those moments? Because if you're going to a place that's deeply personal, is there something that you do to help, um, I don't know, to help regulate that or to, to provide some self-care? Um, I know it's funny. I was just talking with my friend Hillary Grist this morning. Uh, and Hillary is also a singer-songwriter. And we were talking about how there is an inevitable crash after any show that you do. Right. And learning to build in self-care for that time. And that's something that I never used to do. And I would just continue on the next day with regular life instead of setting aside time for rest and recovery afterwards. So this is something that actually I'm implementing this week, actually, the, the week that we are talking about, I have taken a week off work for creative recovery and rest and rejuvenation. Um, so it's a process of figuring out the best way to take care of myself instead of constantly expecting myself to live up to ableist standards and right. just keep going and producing. And in talking with other creatives, whether they live with a disability or not, this is something that affects everyone. And I think this is definitely one of those examples that when we make space for disability, what we're really making space for is for people to just be kinder to themselves. Yes. And that yeah. everybody needs that. You know, I say this a lot to folks that good access is good for everybody. Mm -hmm. uh, so that, that really resonates when you say, when you say that, you know, that, that taking time for yourself is not just a part of the disability experience, but as part of the human experience. Yeah, and we all need to be better at that in, in whatever we're doing. Because Which, I would imagine that perhaps, and um, you can correct me if I'm wrong about this, because I know in my own life, I feel like sometimes um, the impact that the disability has on my life, right? The amount of spoons that I have in order to to be able to uh, to keep going, right? Yeah, okay. um, how does your, you know, if you don't take that self-care, how does that impact your life and impact your disability experience? I am all too familiar with the overwork burnout cycle and love my body will not tolerate that anymore. Uh -huh. And so it lets me know very quickly when I have overextended myself. And I have spent most of my life having this very almost hostile relationship with my own body. So much time spent pushing and asking why it does not give me more. And I've reached a certain point in my life where I just want to be friends with my body. Whoa. I got to unpack that one in my own brain for a minute because, gosh, is that, that's nice. I just want to be friends with my body. Yeah. And we really believe that our desires are sacred. Mm -hmm. And 
when we listen to what our bodies are, are telling us, and I know this from my experience, when I listen to what my body is telling me, she always points me home. And what about um, like where you draw your inspiration from as a creator, as a, a, a other creatives, other people, um, experiences in the world? Where does that inspiration come to for one song, any song? Mm. I definitely get super inspired by by other creators. There's such an um, immense wealth of fabulous talent uh, in the greater Vancouver area. Um, you know, some of the queer artists that I look up to who uh, I have learned so much from. Um, Kim Wardle is one of my favorites. Uh, and they uh, have really inspired a lot of a lot of what I've been doing. Um, Parlor Panther, they're a duo, beautiful music, and um, Forrest Mortify, incredible singer songwriter, and getting to be around these queer creators and listening to their music. It really helps me feel part of a community of incredible, just big-hearted human beings. And that definitely fills me up. Well, you're incredible, too. Let's 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 add Goldbard into this conversation <laughs> in terms of the list of incredible uh, at the intersection of queer and disability, right? I mean, you are saying mm -hmm. things i think you're paving the way for other artists certainly that live with disability who are um not where you are yet and you know you were very sort of straightforward with us in saying that you didn't know for the longest time that you'd lived with disability and you didn't take that space for yourself and so there are many out there that are in that same boat and you are you're changing the game for these folks thank you that's really why I do the work that I do we know it doesn't matter if I am it you know, as an artist or I also work as as a trauma recovery coach um it's all coming back down to giving people that radical permission to For be her. kinder to themselves in a world that is constantly shoving hustle and grind down our throats measure and uh, especially post-pandemic, we are all traumatized now. Right. And in a weird way for me, as somebody who's lived with complex PTSD for most of my life, the pandemic finally normalized conversations about understanding how to regulate our nervous systems as we have gone through this incredibly traumatic global experience of a pandemic that felt like the apocalypse had arrived. Right. It yeah. felt like end of times and we were all traumatized and terrified. And coming out on the other side of that, we're all a little tender and Perfect. trying to figure out how we can come together in a way that feels good. That's it. And the disability community has always done this, and they have so much to teach 
about how we can come together and make sure that everybody is welcome in the room. If only people would listen to us more, right? <laughs> but then, you know, when you are in a place where you are advocating for yourself, I think people are listening. Yeah. You know, I I see, I feel very hopeful. Yeah. I see a lot of change coming and I really I mean, I'm so in awe of so many people who are doing incredible social justice work right now and raising awareness and changing the conversation. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a very difficult time, but it's also a time with a, so much possibility. I think that's, that's the, uh, the loveliest note to end on as I, as I hear the sound of our mixed bag game coming upon us. Do you hear that sound, Goldbard? <laughs> oh, it's time. It's time. So let's just remind folks of what this is. This is uh, the mixed bag. And so it is uh, up to 30 seconds to answer up to three random questions that I've just pulled from my mixed bag. No right or wrong answers. So it's just really the first thing that comes to your mind. Are you ready, my friend? Okay, I'm ready. Okay, this I, I really pull them randomly from a whole list of questions. And it's so interesting how the universe aligns questions that need, <laughs> that need to be for people. So this one is, if you could pick an instrument that you don't play, you know, and to play, what would you play? Oh, that's easy. Cello. Cello is my favorite. My I love favorite it so much. Oh, I wish I knew how to play the cello. I actually have been thinking about renting a cello for a month. Good for you. Just for send fun, me, you know? Send me some sound bites because I'll just marinate in them. Okay. I love it. <laughs> um, my next question for you is, what's your favorite candy? Oh, I'm more of a chocolate person. I know. Dark, dark chocolate with sea salt is the win for me. Dark chocolate with sea salt. If I'm going to eat chocolate, I want it to have some nuts in it. How, are you, how do you feel about nuts? Almonds are okay, but I think walnuts are nis- disgusting and I don't know why anybody wants to eat them. <laughs> I feel that way about pecans. I know <laughs> that's controversial. They look just like, they just look like Walmarts, but, uh, walnuts, but uh, I feel the same way. I got you on that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the last question I have for you is if there is one place in the world that you'd like to travel to that you've never been, where would it be? Oh God, that's easy. Bali. Oh my gosh. I want to go Bali. to Bali so bad. Why Bali? So my one of my favorite artists, Flora Bali, does a retreat week in Bali where wow. you go and you paint for a week there. And nice. I have seen the pictures from those retreats and all I can think is I want to be there right now. I want to be there right now, too, and I haven't seen any of these pictures. So when you go, let me know. That <laughs> sounds amazing. Yes. Goldbart, if we wanted to reach out to you and learn more about your music or find you on the on the Internet, where would we do that? The best place to find me is on Instagram under Goldbard Creative. Goldbard Creative. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. It's been such a pleasure getting to know you and to and to hear some of your music. Thank you just so much for doing the work that you do. Thanks, Amy, for all these conversations. It's really important. Especially since July is Disability Pride Month. So happy Disability Pride Month again, my friend. Happy Disability Pride! And before we say goodbye for the day, I just want to share with you this quote by Louis Armstrong. Music is life itself. Thanks for listening to Accessing Art with Amy. This podcast is produced by me, Amy Amanti, on the unceded traditional territories 
of the Squamish, Musqueam, and Tsleil-Waututh First Peoples, colonially known as Vancouver, British Columbia. The technical producer on this podcast is Jacob Shemansky, and the manager of AMI-audio is Annie Frank. We would love any listener feedback, so you can reach out to us at 1-866-509-4545 or by email at feedback at ami.ca. Thanks again to my special guest today, Goldbard. Keep exploring. We'll see you next time. Hi, I'm Ramia Amuthan. Join me weekly for AMI Audiobook Review, the podcast that explores new titles, introduces us to famous narrators, and updates what's hot at the Center for Equitable Library Access. Download episodes of AMI Audiobook Review from your favorite podcast provider.